NPR. When you walk into Studio Bank in Nashville, it doesn't feel like other banks. Local artists have their art hanging on our walls. Amelia Watts is a relationship manager at the bank. We've got popular music playing. Obviously, we're in Music City, so how could we not? So it feels very warm and welcoming and less intimidating than walking into the traditional bank that we've all come to know. It is a particularly American phenomenon that allows small, specialized banks like Studio Bank to thrive. There are over 4,000 banks in the U.S. Canada? About 80. Brazil? Roughly 150. Even after adjusting for population size, the United States just has a lot of banks. And so after the failures of regional banks recently, we wanted to find out, are the many banks scattered over the country these little engines revving up American economic power? Or are there too many banks? This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darian Woods. And I'm Waylon Wong. Today on the show, what's the right size for America's banking sector? We learn the history of how we got so many banks and the arguments for and against them. Support for NPR and the following message come from Fisher Investments. SVP Judy Abrams shares how their fiduciary duty comes to life while helping clients plan for retirement. As a fiduciary, we must make decisions in our clients' best interest. So we work with them in consultation to be on a glide path so when they want the option to retire, that portfolio is still going to keep working for them at this stage of life. Learn more at FisherInvestments.com. Investing in securities involves the risk of loss. This message comes from NPR sponsor Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Lab's 2024 threat report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at ArcticWolf.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. Amelia Watts works in a small bank, partly because she loves working with people. I'm a very empathetic person, so I feel the pain and the pleasure of my clients' experiences. And one of the painful experiences Amelia heard from was a woman who ran her own small business. It's a food truck that sells beignets, delicious beignets. Yum, as in the classic New Orleans fried pastries covered in powdered sugar. The owner was running the business by the skin of her teeth. Customers would order and she would then have enough to buy ingredients and make payroll. If only she could borrow a bit of money, that would give her a little working capital to stock up with more inventory and hire more staff. But that was hard. The owner of this food truck interviewed over 10 banks and was looking for a loan through these banks and got a no every time. The food truck owner spoke to Amelia. Amelia was impressed by the vision, but the food truck business lacked the collateral to get the loan. So Amelia enlisted the help of an outside initiative that aimed to support Black-owned businesses. They gave the collateral, and Studio Bank could lend with certainty. We were able to get her approved for a loan that she needed to grow her beignet business. 
and it's been a it's been a huge success story. And beignet is going to be uh, distributed far and wide in Nashville. I require a beignet from her every time I see her. <laughs> <laughs> Amelia has a lot of these stories that illustrate the advantages of smaller banks. That soft knowledge that comes from meeting face to face. Those chance connections, like Amelia's knowledge that an initiative might be able to support the food truck's loan. There are thousands of these stories that you'll get more often in a smaller bank. Community banks make 30% more loans to small businesses than bigger banks do. That said, community banks tend to be less profitable than their bigger peers, which could be related to those loans. Either way, all that lending is good news for small businesses. But maybe there's a downside to all those small banks. Mark Rubenstein is an investment analyst who recently wrote a column for Bloomberg arguing there is. Too many banks breed competition. Maybe there's not enough business for that many banks. And one gets a race to the bottom in terms of competitive positioning. In other words, banks might be pressured to lend on riskier and riskier bets just to keep up with the competition. Chuck Prince was the chief executive of Citigroup. Very famous quote, as long as the music is playing, you've got to get up and dance. Right. Um, You've got to keep lending. You've got to keep lending. Mark says that having thousands of small banks means it's harder for regulators to keep an eye on all that lending and borrowing. By contrast, in Canada, 90% of deposits are with just six banks. Regulators can keep a close eye on them. Now, in the U.S., Mark points to the Federal Reserve's recent report on how it dropped the ball on supervising Silicon Valley Bank. One of the conclusions was that there wasn't enough of an increase in examiner resource to accommodate the growth in banking assets that occurred. There might not be enough supervisors to look after that many banks. Well, why does the U.S. have so many banks in the first place? Well, it's the legacy of policy choices nearly 100 years ago. In the 1920s, there were almost 30,000 banks. There were a lot of these small rural banks that would service small towns, these relics of a time with less connectivity. And market forces were encouraging consolidation, big banks buying smaller banks or banks growing across state lines. But one school of thought didn't like the idea of big banks getting more power, and enough politicians agreed. So to stop banks from getting bigger, the government passed a law banning banks from expanding across state lines. But then bank runs started in 1930, and this wiped out nearly one in every three banks. So the government decided to intervene again. One of the reasons why it was so urgent was because there were so many banks. The government passed a big banking law that, among other things, set up deposit insurance. But what's interesting is what it didn't do. It didn't repeal the ban on banks growing across state lines and getting bigger and potentially safer balance sheets. They ruled it out because for various political reasons, various cultural reasons, and maybe economic reasons too, they wanted to preserve that fragmented structure of lots of small banks. And even though the ban on interstate banking was eventually lifted in the 1990s, small banks still hold sway in Washington. Their lobbying effort has been very, very uh, extensive. And actually, if you look at donations made to Congress people from within the banking sector, smaller banks are often disproportionately represented relative to bigger banks. At the Senate Finance Committee in March, Janet Yellen was grilled by the Republican Senator James Lankford. He's from Oklahoma. And he was asking whether the bailout of Silicon Valley Bank depositors encouraged people to take their money out of community banks. 
We have seen the mergers of banks over the past decade. I'm concerned you're about to accelerate that by encouraging anyone who has a large deposit in a community bank to say, we're not going to make you whole, but if you go to one of our preferred banks, we will make you whole at that point. Um, look, I mean, we're, that's certainly not something that we're encouraging. That is happening right now. It goes back, it's a cultural issue, it's a historical issue. Um, but the power through lobbying that the small banks, the community banks have on a global basis is pretty much unprecedented. But every year there are hundreds of fewer banks, whether from mergers, acquisitions or failures. And while that's the direction Mark wants to see the banking sector go, Amelia at Studio Bank says we'd be losing something along the way. A lot of business owners can look back on the pandemic, and that was sort of an eye-opening experience for them, a way to check, you know, so to speak, their relationship with their banker. During a catastrophe, are you able to reach your banker? And a lot of people found that they were not able to reach their banker during their time of need. Do you think you could reach your banker, Waylon? I don't have a banker. I bank with a massive corporation that gives me a 1-800 number to call. I don't have the name of any specific person. I see two futures for you. Either you move to a community bank or we're going to get some AI chatbot responding. Well, if it's a friendly chatbot, I would definitely be open to that. The show was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering by Catherine Silva. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Viet Leia is our senior producer, and Kate Cannon edits the show. The Indicator is a production of NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. On It's Been a Minute, we're keeping you in the know when it comes to culture. I break down the latest trends and the forces behind them and introduce you to the creatives who think deeply about how we live today. Come for some good old cultural analysis and have a few laughs with me. Listen to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR.